I mean, it literally is perfectly in line with the whole like feminine thing, right? Like get yeah. in the habit of accepting help, even just from your partner in the smallest ways. It's, it kind of goes hand in hand. So for everybody that is working on accepting help just as a woman and not needing to be independent all the time, it's like start that now so that you can not only accept help, but also ask for help when you then need it. Oh my gosh, guys, I am so excited for you to listen to this episode. I'm not joking that when I say I texted my fiance after this interview with Millie and was like, you need to listen to this episode. It was so good. I meant it. I want to bring her on the podcast again because I just, I felt like she broke my heart open and sewed it back together in the way of so many women do not know the information that she's sharing. And more importantly, so many women need to feel the support that is available to them. Millie is the biggest bundle of sunshine and joy. You need to follow her on Instagram. But more importantly, for any new mamas, mamas to be, or postpartum women, I know that she has a beautiful library of resources, of masterclasses and all the things. And she is the genius when it comes to this. If I remember correctly, she's been doing this for 10 or 15 years. Like she knows her shit. Hopefully I got that that time right. But if she, even if she hasn't, I'm like, it feels like she has. And I swear to God, she's the guru, guru with this, especially because she is literally living with women 24-7 and families as they're going through this birthing postpartum journey. And I'm like, when you are in someone's life like that, you are gathering wisdom faster than the average Joe. So my intro is not going to do this conversation justice. All I can say is Please enjoy this episode and listen to it twice and share it with your girlfriends. It was like towards the end, I was nearly in tears. It was so good. I've been bursting to drop this to you guys and I'm truly so excited. Today is the last day to enroll in Queen Alchemy round 12, which is crazy. Time really has flown. So if you are about to self-sabotage, if you are sitting on the fence, get off the fucking fence. Do not self-sabotage. Don't do that to yourself. Like that is the very reason why you need to join Queen Alchemy because you probably are sabotaging way more than just this in your life. Like, sorry, wink, wink, not judge. Do not do it to yourself. This is the last round of the year. But for those of you that can't join this round or you've listened to this later on, right? You found me later on, listen to the episode a bit later. That's okay. There are going to be extended payment plans happening probably starting October for Queen Alchemy or November. Nonetheless, is if you want to join round 13 and you want an extended payment plan, just send us an email, support at monarchyatesehealth.com. Let them know that you would like extended payment plan because obviously the earlier that you join for the round that you want to be in, the more that we can break up the payment so it can be a longer payment plan, which I know is really helpful for some of you. I want to emphasize that the next round of Queen Alchemy, so round 13, is going to be starting a lot earlier than I've ever done before because I'm trying to fit in two rounds around the book launch, which I'm already like, oh my God, fuck me dead, around the book launch and then also around our wedding. So usually we'd be running around a Queen Alchemy at the time we're getting married. It's obviously not happening. So we're now jamming two rounds of Queen Alchemy in, in the very beginning of the year and then the middle of the year before our wedding. So the next round of Queen Alchemy is starting a month earlier than normal. I'm promoting it in January and we are starting at the very beginning of February. And then the next round will be happening a little bit after that as well. So please just know that there's going to be no rounds at the end of next year. There's going to be no late 2024 rounds. So you need to either join this round, round 12, get in today, pay your fucking invoice, sign your contract, whatever it is that you have left to do, do not self-sabotage or secure your space for next round so that it's locked in. You obviously get portal access early as well. So you can get started earlier and make sure that you are ahead head of the game and let's have me shut the fuck up and let's get into this incredible episode with Millie Poppins. Hello everybody and welcome back to the podcast. I am very excited to be having a beautiful guest with us today. Millie and I met in London. I don't even know how we met. Through Amy. Amy, yeah, that's right. Yes. So. Okay. So we met us, through a yeah. mutual friend. That's right. So we met through a beautiful yeah. mutual friend and okay. Anyway, so Millie, anyway. what Millie does and she'll give a better intro is that she helps mothers going through that pregnancy postpartum experience. Um, and one of the really amazing parts of your job, in my opinion, is the fact that you work with some pretty amazing clients in, I don't even know what exactly you would call it, but you help care for their baby essentially. And I almost feel like it's like a second mum in a way to help them out. 
Yeah, it has felt like that. So for the last 10 to 11 years, I've been working closely one-on-one with families when they welcome a new baby. And I stay anywhere from like two weeks up to six months. Obviously during COVID, a lot of things pivoted online. So that's where all my webinars and masterclasses and that sort of thing um, came into play. But even this year and last year, um, I work with what we would say is like VIP sort of clients, which are um, Mm -hmm. high net worth, um, celebrities, politicians, sports people, that sort of thing. So yeah, it's allowed me to travel to some amazing places, obviously up during the night with newborns and babies and changing nappies and things like that. But to be able to do that on a super yacht or in Monaco, um, all these crazy places around the world, I've just been so lucky to do that. And I've met amazing people. Oh, it's so incredible. Amazing. Okay. So in today's episode, what we're going to talk about guys is we're going to start off with a very expansive mindset of basically how motherhood can be a bigger experience um, and a bigger growth opportunity than maybe you think it could be. So Millie is going to open our awareness to that. And then we're going to dive into talking about motherhood, the things that you can be doing to kind of better prepare yourself in advance so that you can make sure that your relationship stays as good as it possibly can, your business can, and all those kind of things that often we forget to do ahead of time. And then we kind of have to learn the hard way. And Millie's going to kind of give us a few tips of those things, which is very exciting. So let's jump in to talking about your incredible experience that you have with these amazing kind of A-list clients and what it entails for you. If you can just like open our mind to their daily lives and then what you basically help them with. In my experience, it's interesting because obviously I see these sort of like lavish lifestyles and this sort of wealth that sort of the average person doesn't experience, especially when having a baby. But one thing that is sort of universal is the struggles of motherhood and the challenge and the life transformation that it is. And it really doesn't matter... Um, I think, I mean, it does help to have housekeepers and nannies and chefs and things preparing all of your food, but really to have a strong mindset and sort of realistic expectations of what that postpartum period is going to be like is really key to kind of um, Mm. getting through it and keeping in touch with yourself while you go through it. I think, I really do think of um, motherhood as one of the biggest transitions that women will go through and families, um, you know, parents in general, men too, will go through. It's a huge life shift, huge shift in priorities and just being as prepared for it as possible by having sort of realistic expectations. I think that the way that you feel about your baby when they're born um, is something really special. And no matter how much love you feel for them during pregnancy and how protective you feel over them, that sort of primal urge once they're actually sort of earth side uh, can be really um, rewarding, but also sort of disorientating. So whereas before when you Mm. are pregnant and you're in a relationship, um, your priority is your partner and your own self-care and your family. And when a baby arrives, that just goes all to the bottom. The baby is at the top, the care of the baby. It's such a sort of natural instinct that your whole world revolves around them too. And that goes into just survival and just how, you know, people have developed and all this sort of thing over time. So I think being prepared for that. I see a lot of people with so much support around them. And I think that's great. I think the one thing to remember and one thing to share with family and partners is that a mother instinctively wants to care for their own baby so lots of people say well I'll take the baby for a walk or I'll put them to sleep you rest you go out you do this or that when actually a new mother just wants to be with her baby so how can we have our support systems and the people around us actually do everything else for us and it doesn't mean they can't be involved with the baby um, but it just means that can they provide good food for you can they provide company can they provide emotional support can they um, organize groceries or change the sheets like anything else you can do to support a new mother that doesn't involve taking the baby from her is my best advice um, for that sort of postpartum period. Wow I love that what do you feel like is one of the most common I want to say mistakes, but also like I'm using that word very lightly. What do you think is one of the most common quote unquote mistakes that new mothers make in regards to that postpartum journey or even like during pregnancy where, you know, in hindsight, they were like, I probably should have done it differently, but they just don't know during the time. Yeah, sure. It's always going to be asking for help. It's so strange that I see this play out time and time again where women think that they can do it all and they think that they're fine they go I'm fine I'm fine I'm coping it's four hours sleep it's three hours sleep I'm okay I'm okay until they're not 
And I think getting into the habit of accepting help before you genuinely need it is such a good practice. So if someone offers to make a lasagna or a curry or, you know, take your toddler for a walk or take them to the playground, even if you don't really need it, even if you don't like curry, whatever it is, um, say yes, get into the habit of saying yes <laughs> and accepting because people will stop offering when you kind of not shut people down, but they think that you're doing okay. So they stop checking in any point where you can get to the habit. I, I think this for anyone, even people who aren't um, having children or in relationships, if someone offers to help you with something, I know this is something you talk about a lot, just accept it, enjoy it. Um, yeah. And this is so important right. when you have a new baby as well. Um, because I feel like the wall comes up pretty quickly. You are just hurtling along. You think you're fine. And all of a sudden the sleep mm. deprivation cuts, um, just hits you. And I think, you know, we can look at it scientifically with hormones and things, and you can be on a bit of a adrenaline high, um, after birth and postpartum period. And all of a sudden everything drops off and you might feel kind of at your lowest point and that's to be expected. So yeah, gathering as much help as you can and resources in the lead up to giving birth in pregnancy is so important. I mean, it literally is perfectly in line with the whole like feminine thing, right? Like get yeah. in the habit of accepting help, even just from your partner in the smallest ways, it's, it kind of goes hand in hand. So for everybody that is working on accepting help just as a woman and not needing to be independent all the time, it's like start that now so that you can not only accept help, but also ask for help when you then need it. Yeah, exactly. And postpartum, so on that, physically, sorry, yeah. it's going to be lagging. Um, no, go for it. Yeah, postpartum right. physically and emotionally is going to be one of the hardest times you go through. So being prepared to accept help at more than any other time in your life. I mean, obviously people get sick and have bereavements and things like that, but it really is that mm. special time where you need to take it all on board. So when it comes to just like even receiving help from men and kind of on that topic, let's quickly, whilst I think of it, go into the topic of what are some things that men could do because I've got plenty of men that listen to the episodes and sure. the women that listen to this are going to be like, babe, please listen to this exact second of this episode. Yeah. What are some things that he can do to prepare himself before baby comes or even frankly before conception happens? Mm -hmm. And obviously during that postpartum experience, because I always say like, men have a pregnancy journey and a postpartum journey just in a very different way. Like they're not the ones going yeah. through the physical side of things, right? But there's still a shift in their purpose, in how they're showing up with work. Like they go into full, I am the protector provider, mm -hmm. et cetera. So they're having just a completely different experience. And often we can kind of just shun their experience to the side because they weren't the one giving birth. So what are some things that he could be doing for himself so that he can be the best man? And then also what are some things that he can be doing for her that will allow him to really feel like he's being the best man and her to feel like she's being yeah. supported by him? Yeah, it's a really good question. And there's probably three different things that I would do sort of along the preconception to pregnancy to actual postpartum um, sort of journey. And mm -hmm. preconception, if you and your partner are thinking about having children, um, it's something that you're trying to plan for your future. There's so many conversations you can have around how you were raised as well, um, what your best memories are with your mom and dad, um, what your sort of thoughts are on discipline and schooling and education mm -hmm. and how we're going to raise emotionally intelligent children. These are really important conversations to have because you might have an amazing open communication with your partner, but actually getting into the nitty gritty of how we are going to parent um, can be really something that people actually haven't thought of. And when stressed and overwhelmed, which will be quite common in the postpartum period and <laughs> through the toddler years, we will revert to parenting the way that we were parented. It's just sort of this like automatic thing that happens. Mm. So you might not think of yourself as like a disciplinarian or think that you would ever want to let your baby cry, but actually these sort of patterns start to emerge if we're not aware of them and we haven't explored them and exploring them with your partner. Um, you might feel like you're both very on the same page. You have the same interests, the same life goals, all of these things. And actually when it comes down to it, one person might be a bit more, let's say, lenient um, in their parenting style, um, a bit more baby-led, a bit more child-led, um, want to baby wear and breastfeed and co-sleep and all of this. And then you might have a partner or vice versa who, you know, babies sleep in their own room and they can be left to cry and mm. they have to go to school when they're, you know, one year for social development. There's so many things that can come up. And this is what I see time and time again. doesn't matter if you are a billionaire a millionaire, whoever I worked with, that clash between people who love each other so much and 
then just have this huge divide in how they want to parent and it's a conversation mm. that they haven't had before. So it's really something interesting um, that people should start to start to look into. And I think a good space place to start is exploring and having conversations with your partner about what their favorite childhood memories are, what their least favorite thing as a child was. And these can be really emotional conversations. We can talk about our best memories and our worst memories with our fathers and our mothers. And that can help us kind of open up a conversation around whether we were happy with that, whether that kind of left a trauma or a scar, if it's something that we really feel strongly Mm -hmm. about doing differently, or we think that worked really well and that we were grateful for growing up. So that's a really good one in preconception definitely um before kind of deciding if you want to have a baby with someone if that's a conversation that's kind of has the opportunity to happen um in pregnancy I think it's really special if a man and a partner can actually do the same amount of research that a woman is doing I think that the sort of I I know that wait pause That like just thought turned me on, number one. I'm just thinking about my fiance. But number (laughs) two, I'm like, I have never actually heard that as an idea. And that is yeah, just like such a sexy concept of like Mm -hmm. him being that invested in I want to be the best father. Yeah, exactly. And you know, you've got you as a partner who's about to go through literally a marathon to give birth the toll on your body as you grow a person and how nice for them to know exactly where you are at at each week Mm. to know what the complications could be to know what your birth options are and then to go into that birth experience knowing that you know if I get overwhelmed or I'm totally in the zone with giving birth I've got this advocate who is like no she doesn't want that no she wanted this no this is a specialty mm-hmm. these are the fairy lights that are going up this is our playlist just to have someone who is so yep. on board and you can totally relax into the experience of giving birth without thinking are they going to cut the cord too early is this happening are they changing mm-hmm. doctors on my sh- um while I'm giving birth there's so many things that we can trust and delegate to our partner and to have that sort of inner sort of knowing that they have it handled would just be such a relief during birth and the lead up to that um so we think like I mean some women prepare more than others it's sort of like so many books so many um websites so many podcasts when it comes to preparing for birth and things like that I think anything that you are researching yourself any course that you enroll in whether it's like a hypnobirthing course or um maintaining your pelvic health anything like that I think it's so important to do it together becoming parents is a journey together Mm. should like the onus shouldn't be just on the woman to take on not just the physical load um, and the emotional load but also like cognitively to take in so much information for what you're about to go through um yeah sharing that I mean how special and to go oh I found this great book or I read this great blog and sharing resources and things um and it helps you stay on the same page and get on the same page and stay on the same page Mm. Millie I love that one that is like another just clear example of like masculine feminine right where you can just relax like you said into the experience of giving birth because you know that he he hasn't just heard what you want he gets what you want like he fully understands why you want it and because I've never heard somebody like say it like that where you know I've always said to, to ensure that your partner knows what you want and your desires and like can advocate for you etc but to take it to another level and for him to actually understand what all of those things mean I, that's just another level of safety right knowing that he just doesn't it's, it's not that he just knows what you want he fully understands yeah. like all of the nitty-gritty behind that desire yeah exactly right? and I love that yeah I, I think that's really special sorry going back to preconception I just thought as well because I just read this amazing mm. book I'm sure you it's called it starts with the egg and so that during preconception is just optimizing your egg health but actually I loved this book because 50% of it was optimizing sperm health and I think that the onus is always on the woman that fertility Mm. and infertility is a woman's issue when actually um, it can quite easily be a man's issue so this book was amazing like you know even in preconception you know we can be optimizing egg health two months before we ovulate if we're planning to conceive but also what men can be doing for their Mm. sperm supplements the lifestyle changes whether it's giving up smoking or alcohol or caffeine Um, I mean not all of these things need to happen but if you are struggling to conceive it's not just the woman's struggle it should be something that you go through together and if the Mm. woman is committed to eliminating fragrances and BPA and cutting caffeine, then why shouldn't her partner do it too? Um, I think that can be a real way of 
Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I, my poor, my poor fiance, he knows that he has a fertility detox coming his way. I told him that I told him that early on that like, just a heads up, like, this is who I am. And, uh, you are half the equation. And like, he now jokes about it. He joked about it for a while, but he now, he will jokingly say it to his guy friends. And I honestly, I think, you know, for him, he's gone, gone on kind of like his own little health journey since meeting me because very different, like, I mean, different cultural backgrounds. Some people might be like American, Australian, same thing, but actually American and Australian are quite different. Um, yeah, they're very different, especially he's like Southern American. So very, very different anyway. And, um, I've opened his mind up to a lot of just like, I always say like real food, real health. It's just like, this isn't even being healthy. It's just being like normal. Right. Baseline. Yeah. um, It's interesting. Yeah. It's interesting because as a result of him just like eating better and having more home cooked meals and like living the way that I do. And he's noticed that he's now not like fertility cleanse. He actually can feel that, yeah, this makes sense that I would be half of the equation, like, duh. And like, he knows that, and this is an embodiment piece for the women. He knows that I would not even let him not do the fertility cleanse. Like, and I'm saying fertility cleanse, like in quote unquote, I don't have a fucking like intense protocol per se. I just mean like be healthy, you know, during that time. But, um, I think it's really important on your note with women of like, I know, I know so many women that will be like, oh, I'd love that, but he won't do it. And then I come back to, well, why would you allow him to not do it? And not that you need to like treat him like a child, but it's like, if you are having a child with this person and he cannot have the respect for himself, the child and you for a few months to just like clean up his health. To me, that's like, that's kind of a conversation that needs to be had around something bigger of like not valuing themselves. Sure. Exactly. That would be a real red flag for me as well um in a relationship early on you were talking about that sort of thing because when you are conceiving a child wouldn't you want the potential of their health to be the best possible and also reducing your chance of miscarriage of hemorrhaging of genetic Mm -hmm. disorders and these are all things that actually if you read the book which is incredible um anyone who's listening to this the the facts i mean a third of the book is references to um scientific sort of studies and things and it, it just goes to show that optimizing our health at least two to three months before conception just has amazing benefits for egg quality, um, reduces miscarriage rates, reduces the chance of genetic disorders, enables us to have a healthy birth, mm. that sort of thing. So it's just, why, why wouldn't you just give up a few things or change a few right. things in your life beforehand? My, um, my boyfriend recently, he loves cooking and he's bought an um, air fryer. And I said, send it back. I said, it's just oh gosh. a chunk. He's, he's so excited about it. And I Toxic said, Toxic chemicals, I know. He just doesn't know. And I said, it's just reheating plastic over and over at a really yeah. high temperature. And I said, I, I really just don't feel comfortable yeah. eating food out of it, especially when we are getting to the stage of having conversations around having a family together and things like that. I was yeah. like, we just don't need to do it. We can use the yeah. oven. I didn't even know we had a microwave in our house for like months. Yeah. I don't have I one. never I even use the microwave anymore. Yeah. For one time only, I am hosting my LA pop-up event and I am so excited to be bringing this to you guys. We are doing this for one time only and it's happening on October 21st of this year. This is a day-long event. It is going to be fun. It is going to be spicy and you are getting an exclusive look into my book before it has even come out. I am very excited for this. We are going to be going into polarity, manifestation, self-respect, boundaries, procrastination, perfectionism, and so much more. You will also be getting a Q&A with myself and my fiance, which is very exciting. For those of you that run your own business, you may want to look into the VIP option as well. Some of the spots have already been snagged, but if there is any left, maybe that one is for you. But yeah, on your note uh, around like even optimizing health two to three months prior, I and for not only your health during the pregnancy, what I think a lot of women, and I, and I know a lot of women from clients, forget is it's your health postpartum. I feel like the postpartum part is always forgotten early. Like, and so I think, and I always share this with my fiance, 
I, we're not getting even healthier and we're not getting even more prepared for the pregnancy. It's for fucking postpartum because mm -hmm. that's when shit hits the fan. That's when you're sleep deprived and everything's going wrong and your relationship is falling apart. It's like, I feel like everyone has so much emphasis on the pregnancy part, which is still important, but then everybody forgets postpartum. And it's like, if you're sick majority of pregnancy and you haven't boosted your vitamin stores before you've fallen pregnant, what the hell is yeah. going to happen postpartum like you're going to have nothing left of you and it's so unfortunate how many kids these days are so sick and born with so many issues and I always think for myself and I've really been able to like get his head around this as well that I could not live with myself if I did not do everything in my power to have healthy babies and yeah. I just think that like isn't it set, like to me it's like it's a major lack of self-respect if you and your partner can't you know, not drink, quit smoking, get rid of plastic, stop spraying shitty perfume on your body, like those kind of things. If you can't do that for yourself and you can't do it for your baby for, I'm, I always say like, I'm like a year, right? Cause it's like, it's a year yeah. in that whole child's life. It's like, if you can't do that, do you really want to be a parent enough? Because if you can't sacrifice a few things that are actually a benefit to, to sacrifice, then like, are you going to be able to deal with the sleepless nights, the problems that occur, the fact that you, you know, will go through phases where you have no life because your child is so demanding. Do you know what I mean? It's like, yeah. there's such a small opportunity cost for eliminating some things post-conception. I'm sorry, pre-conception. Yeah. Agreed. And people think it's going to be expensive or it's going to be really hard work, but we just do it slowly. One thing at a time, one thing a month. It's finishing your perfume and not buying another one. It's finishing your moisturizer and buying a more right. sort of ethical organic brand. Um, you know, this thing with Tupperware, like yes, glass Tupperware is more expensive, oh but gosh. will actually last longer. And thinking about where our food is coming from. I know that's the hardest one and what people struggle with. And I'm sure I can't speak to a US audience for this, but um, wherever you can, if you cannot buy organic, at least be buying fruit and veg and basic foods and things and avoiding processed mm. foods and takeaway foods and trans fats and things like that is so important. Even if you can't afford organic, there's still a choices that you can be making there. Um, it's hard. Changing is hard. Um, but if you're not going to do it for yourself, maybe you're going to do it for your future baby, hopefully, um, at least something. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a lot. Yeah. And for American audience, you need to be eating organic because the glyphosate that is sprayed on that shit will eventually, like it will cause the, the infertility. And actually there's a new thing on the US market. Like don't die when you hear about it. It's called like, a, 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 what's it called? Like a something or rather a something. And basically sure. it's like a film that's, it's a film that's sprayed on fruit and vegetables that cannot be washed off. That's like a fucking quote unquote preservative wow. to like keep it fresher for longer. I don't know whether I ended up saving it or not. So alarming. Horrific. And I'm like, it, it is. I can't remember what the name of it was called, but I'm like, if you live in the US or anywhere, I'm just like, just go to the farmer's market. Go to the farmer's market, get yeah. quality, local, fresh fruit and veggies where you can talk to the farmer. You can ask them if they spray shit on it. You can ask them about the quality of their soil. Like it's that extra little bit, but if you don't want to pay for your health, you're going to be paying for your illness. Yeah, exactly. And I don't want to be you a know. hypocrite because I will admit that like not everything I buy is organic. And if I'm on a road trip, I'll have a McDonald's. Like it's just changing things where you right. can when it's easiest and slowly building up. Exactly. So you think about, you know, everyone hears about BPA and yeah. everything's BPA free and even baby bottles are made out of plastic and things. But, um, you know, if you actually look into it, BPA, yes, is um, advised against, but there's also one called BPS and BPL, which have the exact same effects, which haven't been regulated um, and are still used in plastic products. So everything, even a, a receipt from a grocery store um, has the- Oh my God, receipts. Shouldn't be touching so it. Yeah, and little things you can do, just just don't ask for a receipt. It's um, yeah. things like this, small changes, they, they really do add up. And if you have two people who are planning to have a baby together and they're both cutting out and changing things where they can, it just takes the onus off of the woman to do everything. And at least you can kind of even mm. think that. I love it. I love it. Okay. So jumping back quickly to the expansion of the beautiful people that you work with. So you shared with them that like, and I, you shared with us, sorry. And I love this, that no matter how much money you make, basically going through this phase of becoming a mother is insanely challenging. 
So talk to us really quickly about, so, you know, like when I was in Positano that time and I posted a picture of this ridiculous <laughs> yacht and you were like, I think that I was on this yacht because I was like, <laughs> my fiance and I were looking at the yacht like, what the fuck? Who was on yeah. this yacht? It was insane. Yeah. So yeah. give us a quick glimpse into like some of the glamorous side of what you do. And then let's jump back into the baby talk. Oh yeah, sure. That was last summer. I was with family for most of the year and we spent, um, the summer on a super yacht. It was a 75 meter. I mean, my bedding was MS, like it was incredible. Um, and we sailed around Positano and Corsica. And then we went up, sailed up to Monaco and literally got off the dock and went to their apartment in Monaco. They have houses all over the world. I could have whatever I wanted, private chefs. We were shopping every day. I mean, not saying that the clients buy me gifts. They absolutely never did. They paid me my daily rate mm. and that was it. Um, there's quite clear boundaries yep. like professionally. Yep. And I think that works for me too. Um, but yeah, just amazing experiences and just nice people. And the lifestyle is great. Mm. The conversations are even better. I mean, to say to the father who I was working with um, last year, how did you get started? And he is a billionaire. Like if you Google him, he's not anywhere. Like he is mm. invisible, but he's this amazing billionaire who sold okay. his first company for like 50 billion something. Um, and he oh started out selling cigarettes across the Polish border. He used to buy them in one country, drive his car over the border and sell them for double. And then he got into real estate and restaurants. And now at, you know, the age wow. of like, he's in his mid fifties and he's this incredible businessman. And family man as well. I think conversations like that are just invaluable because where else am I going to get that sort mm. of experience and insight? Um, but yeah, it's all private planes. It's private shopping. I mean, the amount of hours I spent in the Harrods private dressing room, like giving a baby a bottle while mum tries on dresses. And it's just such a nice experience. And I wouldn't do oh it if gosh. I didn't have good relationships with these people. I, I don't want to yeah. be treated as if I'm less than or that I'm not valued or important. But mm. it's so nice when these people really value what I do because I genuinely am there loving their baby as if they were my own family. And I don't think you can put a price on that. Um, to mm. me, it's a really special relationship. I'm not just there to change them and feed them. I want them to feel adored and seen and engaged with. I want to sing to them and you know take them for walks on the beach and to the park. And I think it's just such a nice time. Um, yeah, just amazing. I've met amazing people wow. I'm working with another family at the moment and it's a similar sort of year that we've had. Um, I just spent five days at this thermal spa resort in Switzerland. Um, we were there for five days last week. Of course we, had, we did. Yeah, we were just there. <laughs> it was so nice. Wow. And then a few weeks before we were at, um, you know, they're based in Zurich, but they have another house in Turkey. Um, so we were there in Istanbul for a bit. And then next week we go to their island off of Bodrum just because we can. So of course, but super hands on so, like, okay, with the so baby with these all the time. Kind of families. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. So yeah. So with these kind of families, right. And then we'll kind of bring it back into like the average person, but let's mm -hmm. just all like allow our minds to be expanded <laughs> with these kind of people. Tell us like what your average day looks like and what you're actually doing. Like, are you like, I'm assuming this is a no, cause you kind of elicited to this earlier, but are you just dealing with baby all day and they're off living their life and not giving a fuck about the child or which I know probably isn't true. So kind yeah. of walk us through what you're actually helping them with. And most importantly, how have you noticed this helps the mother and the relationship between mum and dad? Sure. Good questions. Um, I mean, previously, like earlier in my maternity career, I have worked for families who haven't cared so much about their baby. And I have just been there. Mm -hmm. um, as I've kind of gotten older, I've realized the emotional toll that those sort of jobs took to feel as if you really are the mother figure to a baby and then have to leave. Um, so now I'm a bit more selective with my clients. Yeah. I want to work with people who are, you know, wanting to have children because they want children, um, not just because it's expected yeah. from their families or their cultures or things like that. So the families I've worked for in recent years, um, I always get a morning break because the nights with babies are always interesting. And so usually from, say, the yeah, client okay. at the moment, from 7 to 11 a.m., I am on a break. I can sleep. I can use their home gym, their sauna, their pool. Okay. Um, the mum often books me a massage or something as well. Like she values me as someone who is physically and emotionally caring for her baby. So it's incredible. Um, and then from sort of 11 up until bedtime, yeah, I am with the baby, but there's so much other help. And these type of families have this, you know, aunts and uncles and grandparents around. And 
you know, even the housekeepers and the nanny for the older children, everyone wants to be around the mm-hmm. baby. The baby is so adored and so loved. And then there's the parents okay. as well who obviously want to spend time. Um, my client at the moment, she is a model and she has lots of different like brand deals, amazing brands, Burberry, Chanel, La Prairie. She's like she's she's quite um yeah, she's really in that uh, sort of work work mindset. She's like classic Capricorn. Mm-hmm. Her and I just so organized with our details and highlighting <laughs> and schedules and everything. We love it. We love an invoice sent paid same day. I love it. She's you got, so yeah, good. Yeah, you guys must just be like vibing. Yeah. I know. I, know. I, I literally send her an invoice and within 60 seconds, she's like paid. And I'm like, I, I love you. You are just so easy to work with. Yeah. Um, but she's super hands-on with the baby as well. So often I support her to be with the baby where possible. So she might have a shoot or a lunch or hosting mm. an event and she wants the baby to go, but obviously she knows that she might not be able to do the bottle, the nappy change mm. or get the baby to settled for a nap. So I'm there to kind of pick up the slack in a way. Obviously her preference is to do it herself, okay. but if she's struggling to get the time or the moment or she's caught up with someone, it's Millie, can you just jump in here? Um, and we really work really well yep. together, um, sort of like that. Yeah, it's it's interesting. Um, every client and family and experience is different. So from having mums who really mm. weren't interested in their babies at all, and I there's no judgment from me. It's just the situation that they've been put in, um, maybe where they didn't even want to have children. It was expected of their families. Um, lots of mums had a traumatic or horrific birth experience and they can kind of associate the baby mm. with that experience. It's quite emotional to actually be with the baby it's bringing up a lot of um sort of trauma and feelings and Mm. yeah just just sort of those type of memories so I never judge um but yeah what was the next part of the question (laughs) I think that was everything oh just like yeah what your average day looks like etc so you kind of you kind of nailed it because obviously with every client it's going to look a little bit different okay so let's jump back into the kind of baby talk and everything so what are some basic tips that you have Millie for new mothers or mothers to be so even like thinking really ahead women that want to become mothers um to help juggle work and motherhood work and motherhood I think that it's really hard because we think of like all the balls that we'll have to juggle when we are working Mm -hmm. and we have a new baby and we might have relatives that need us as well or other children and there's so many things that we kind of have going around in our minds but I think that when you start to feel the guilt and shame that you're not doing enough or you're not being enough especially for your baby is just to remember that as long as they are happy and healthy nothing else matters So it doesn't matter that you didn't make it to the Mm. baby class or um, they haven't seen their grandma in a little while. They're not just, you know, they're wearing the same outfit two days in a row. It actually doesn't matter because (laughs) as long as your baby is happy and healthy, it's it's just all that really counts. And your baby doesn't know. You are literally their favorite person to listen to, to talk to, to be close to, to feel physically holding them. Um, So as long as you're doing that, it it really is enough. Um, There's lots of pressure to have smart children who have all of the opportunities and I think that definitely is an inherent sort of desire for parents because obviously you want your child to be successful because success can equal an easier life and who wouldn't want that for their child but having less pressure on yourself you know you don't need to do the baby classes you don't need to read them 10 books a day and play Mozart they just need to be around you watching you and if that means putting them on the play mat while you are on the laptop responding to emails that is okay your baby can still see you, you are close mm. by, you are responsive to them. Um, and just doing that without the guilt, I think it's just so hard. We hear about mum guilt all the time and it's just, we don't hear yeah. about dad guilt. <laughs> so it's another way of like, no, we don't for. hear about dad guilt. <laughs> yeah. Where men. So, so, okay. So on the note of let, oh, sorry, sorry, go Millie. No, 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 you, you go. Next question. Okay. No, I was just going to say, so like, all right, so you're sitting there on the laptop, you're getting a bit of work done and baby's playing on the ground, having a good time. She or he can see you, so like everything's okay. Yeah. What are some of the most important things for like working mums to remember? So like one of them is like maybe as long as baby can see you, the baby is like nervous system is grounded, It's the baby is regulated, he or she feels safe. Is there anything else that would be really helpful for mothers to know to just help make their side of things a little bit easier so they're not thinking they have to be like perfect and coddling the baby all the time so two things one I just want to mention because I always try to mention this crying um can be such a primal sort of way that a baby communicates to us that they are tired or hungry Mm. or uncomfortable or they want a cuddle um and that's really normal but 
there is a big difference. People think that they're doing damage to their child because their child is crying. Um, and it's not actually true. If you are holding your baby and they're close to you and they are crying, you are not sort of causing them to be an alcoholic when they're 18 or anything like that. Mm. Like that is not something that you need to worry about. <laughs> it's very different if your baby is crying upstairs in their bed for an hour and you haven't gone to them. Um, that's different. Mm. That's sort of inconsolable crying alone. Okay. It can happen. It happens at times you are caught up or the kitchen sink you know, the pipe burst or something, you can't get to them. It will happen. But as long as yeah. your baby isn't consistently crying on their own, they're going to be fine. But if your baby is crying in the moment, you know, at bedtime, okay. after a big day um, or through the night, if you are still with them, it's fine. Um, I think that's an important one to okay. remember. The other thing is like, we're, we were kind of talking about this before, but being as prepared as possible um, to look after yourself as well as your baby. And how can we prepare as much as possible, especially during pregnancy, um, so that in that postpartum period, mm. we can just care for the baby? Because can you even, you know, we talk about meal prepping or organizing a cleaner or putting a, you know, grocery shop just on automation, you know, the basics arrive every Friday mm. morning, that sort of thing. Um, scheduling and help <clears throat> you might have relatives you might not but you might have a mother-in-law who lives close by um, obviously setting boundaries there if it's not someone you want over every day but kind of saying can you come over Monday and Friday mm. mornings that would be really great um, and just having those sorts of things set yes. up and even having conversations with your loved ones especially your partner and say I actually do find it really difficult to ask for help please keep checking in with me and even when I say no please keep mm. asking please don't stop asking I think that <laughs> especially with men they're so practical so they might see their postpartum um you know partner who's just had a baby she's wearing nappies she's breastfeeding she's leaking everywhere she mm -hmm. hasn't washed her hair in a week and they go you know what the practical solution to this is I'm going to take the baby for a walk or I'm going to take them to my mum's for the day that's going to solve everything when no actually your partner might just want you to say I love you thank you for this like amazing mm -hmm. thing that you've done for our family I appreciate you and often that sort of emotional validation is better than any sort of practical thing that you can do. And I think men are just, especially in stress, they just want to like, okay, I'm going to change this. I'm going to change this. I'm going to do this. When actually, can we offer our yeah. comfort in another way? Um, I think that's really important because actually, yes, they, I love that. what I see a lot is partners who people think that it's feeding the baby. That's the hard bit because obviously with breastfeeding and establishing breastfeeding, which is really important in the first kind of four to six weeks, um, baby will be literally attached to mom. It's important for the smell and mm. the oxytocin and the prolactin and all of these sort of hormones that are working away to get the breast milk established. And we see that as the hard bit. So very quickly people go, well, let's introduce a bottle or let's introduce formula or let's introduce a pacifier so that I can help do this bit. Um, when actually that's quite detrimental to breastfeeding rates and establishment um, is quickly introducing passies, mm. bottles, formula. Obviously very supportive of anyone who wants to do that. I, I did see recently on Instagram that an influencer had made a reel and she said, you know, the one thing that saved my marriage postpartum and it was like dot, 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 the bottle. And I thought, wow, that's really yeah. sad that they're encouraging people oh. to introduce a bottle so early because it's not that's not what's going to um, sort of yeah. foster the relationship. People think that feeding the baby is the hard bit because it's a bit that we see the mother mm. doing the most, but it's not the hardest bit. And when we try to help, I'm going to go help in inverted commas here, um, by yeah. taking a bit of the load of that, we can impact breastfeeding rates long-term. And often I see mums get to three, four months and say, oh no, I don't have enough of a supply or um, baby's refusing the breast. And it's just mm. because of the choices that were made earlier with introducing bottles too early and pacifiers and things like that. And then women are left disappointed that they weren't able to breastfeed their child for longer. So finding ways that partners and family and anyone else who's in a support bubble around you can support you to do what your body and you want to do. Um, I think that's really important. Lots of people very quick to say, just give them a bottle, I mean, sleep better or it will be easier. And it's not. Everything that you've said just validates what we brought up earlier of like, it is so important that you are in this with your partner. Like yeah. this is a, I just think that like, nobody is prepared, but you are prepared like intuitively and like from a primitive sp like uh, space, if that makes sense. Like, you know what you're doing, like your primitive brain knows how to be a parent and like how to look after a baby. But at the same time, if you really want to be the best mother, be the best partner, keep your relationship as good as it can be. Like, I always think 
that for me, in my experience, I've seen so many clients just have this mindset around like motherhood's going to take so many things from me. I am so excited for motherhood. And I, and I know that part of that excitement comes from the fact that I know what I need in order to be my best self during motherhood. And it's this constant conversation with my fiance. And it's this constant like sharing what I know I'm going to value during that time. And then everything that you've said, Millie, just to like add on is like, okay, he needs to be just as involved in the learning experience as I will be. And more importantly, it's like, I need to learn from somebody that has all of the knowledge that, yeah, I'll learn, but I don't want to fucking learn it the hard way. I want to know it before I go into it. And it's just this, like, it happens with, with even just relationships of people will wait until their relationship is on the brink of a divorce to then go and, and do the work that's required to heal their relationship, you know, or heal their issues in the relationship. I'm sure plenty of women do the exact same thing where they will wait until they are like, in the worst postpartum depression, their relationship is falling apart to then be like, okay, maybe I should take a course on motherhood, postpartum, et cetera. And it's like, we need to be more proactive so that motherhood can be an expansive experience. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, working towards and working on yourself in the postpartum period and even in that first year and second year, it's just a whole other level of effort because you do have the sleep deprivation and your priorities change. So if you have a very good understanding of who you are as a person, what your values are, what your priorities are, and you feel quite firm on those before entering motherhood, you're going to be better set up. Trying to find yourself in your motherhood journey is possible, Mm. but it's a hundred times harder. So having a real idea of you, your relationship, your partner, what you value, what your goals are together. um, It's, it's just so important. And it's something that you can really work on. Yeah, definitely from when you find out you're pregnant, or when you decide to start trying to conceive. I love it. Okay, so on this note, what are some of the biggest myths that you've helped your clients debunk about motherhood Um, or like the stories that mothers tell themselves all the time or women tell themselves about motherhood? What are some of those things that we need to like realize are not true? And can you kind of share with us why they're not true? Hmm, So, yeah, I think that, we think that we can't have it all and we can't do it all. And Mm. when we think about all the things we want in our life and for our families and, you know, let's just talk about that first year, for example. And I think it is possible if you have the right support and you're on the same page as your partner, you can return to work when you want to. You can feed your baby the way that you want to. You can take the holidays that you want to. You can still have that sort of romantic intimacy and connection with your partner um, if you want to. It's just being set up. And it's exactly what we've spoken about for this you know, whole recording is preparing as Mm -hmm. much as possible and not kicking the can down the road and be like, we'll have that conversation next week. Or actually, no, when we go away for that weekend for our anniversary, Mm. that's when I'm going to bring this conversation up or let's just wait until we're actually pregnant before we have this um, chat. And it's just doing the most that you can now, because I swear to you in that postpartum period, you will just be so focused on your baby that even cognitively your brain cannot handle and this is shown in scientific studies as well that the gray matter increases in your brain Mm. by up to 80 percent nearly two years after your baby is born and that is um memory loss and basic function and things like that and it is genuinely mummy brain because you are just equipped Mm. now to be so hyper focused on your baby that everything else will fall to the wayward side so yeah being set up as much as possible you can have it all if you're prepared i love that I love that. Amazing. Okay, cool. And then one final kind of question before we wrap it up. What are some absolute necessities that you think women and men should align in their? Actually, no, I'm going to make this even more specific. Okay. The women that are like, I want to keep running my business or keep having my career and I want to be a mom. What are some of the necessities that they need to align in their life or implement into their life before even conception? So if I was to look at a postpartum mom, let's say with a six week old baby, you know, maybe they've kind of kept up with emails and communication, but at the six week point, they're like, no, I need to be, you know, on my computer and recording podcasts and, you know, traveling for work and doing Mm -hmm. events and things. I would say you are going to have two to three hours a day. That is going to be your max that your baby will not need you unless you outsource some help. So that is me on average. I mean, not, not all babies. Some babies might want to sleep on you all the time. They might have reflux. They might have allergies, all of this. But 
I can pretty much on average guarantee a mother two to three hours of time to herself in a 24 hour period. You might be cooking a meal, you might be doing the grocery shopping, you might be looking after your toddler. So if you need more than two to three hours a day to run your business or do your job, then you need to outsource. Is that having someone prep meals? Is that having um, a nanny or an au pair or someone start helping or just to be there? And I think that's really important to remember because you might be doing a five to six hour day in your business at the moment and think, you know, I don't actually work that much. I can totally handle having a baby and doing both, but it's two to three and that's on broken sleep. So Mm. yeah, we'd think about setting things up. I think having to look for help when you're at the brink of needing help is the worst time to start trying to interview people and find that perfect fit because you're desperate. Um, having chats with people, whether you have to pay them on a retainer or they don't, you don't end up needing them, whatever you need to do to find that perfect person that fits in with your life, you just do it as early as possible. That is such a nugget for us all to remember. Like I'm remembering yeah. this. Okay. I have two hours of my day. I'm like, fuck. Like, yeah. like oh my God. Like, how yeah. am I going to do What am I going to do it? I am the worst when I'm sleep deprived. Yeah. Like no one wants to be around me. But yeah. this is like such an important valuable thing to know right like okay if you need more than two to three hours a day then you need to get your ducks in a row now and exactly what you said like I've done a lot of hiring the worst time to hire is when you are in a place of desperation the kind of like rule of thumb for anyone that needs to know is you want to hire about three months before you actually need it takes a while to train somebody and you don't want to be training somebody up when you are tired and cranky and nauseous and like all the other things when yeah. you're pregnant, you want to be doing that before mm-hmm. you are pregnant. And like, we don't want to, we don't want to conceive until after we're married. So not next year, but the year after. And I can't tell you the amount of conversations that come up in our team of like, when I'm pregnant or when I'm a mom, how is this going to run? Cause we are trying to get Already. years ahead yeah. So that we can, yeah, figure out the like the the nooks and the crannies and all those things that take a while to figure out. So we're not trying to like deal with them when I'm wanting to enjoy my pregnancy or enjoy being a mom or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. And you also don't want to keep someone you know? that you're not 100 percent sure on just because it's too hard to let them go and have that gap in between finding the next mm. person. Will the next person be good enough or the right fit? And it's all well and good to have people who you know work on your team or work in your office or who you kind of have. Um, you know, uh, virtual contact with, but you need to think of the person you hire to be in your home with your most precious person, to be around your family, to hear your most Mm. intimate thoughts and moments. I mean, the things that I have seen and heard with these clients, um, it's (laughs) such a vulnerable time and you are a roommate. So think of it as hiring someone to look after your most like prized Mm. possession, but also you're going to be living with this person essentially, especially if they're doing long days. They might not necessarily be live-in, but they might be at your house from, you know, nine to six every day, um, eating meals with you, caring for your baby in your bedroom, um, trusted to take your baby out on their own. So you want to put some time into finding, finding that perfect person. For all the men that listen to this podcast or for the ladies that are listening and you want your man to do the work, you need to listen up. So my program, The Man, you're probably like, where did it go? It's coming back and it's coming back in a more accessible way where more men can do this work. It is going to be an evergreen program, which means that you can join at any time. There are two different options. There's a lower level investment and a higher level investment. And that obviously then is going to be reflected in the amount of time that you get with me. And trust me when I say, men, you want to join this program. I have made the syllabus even bigger there is more added to it and for any guys that joined the man in the past you're going to get access to this as well because it's all updated in your portal so i'm really excited for those of you that are joining if you're not on the wait list make sure that you get on the wait list so that you don't miss out and let's jump back into the episode so i'm going to actually do one last question on this topic mm-hmm. can you just share because i know a lot of people have stigma around and i think I think in the British culture and like European culture, there is more acceptance around au pairs and nannies and all those kind of things because it's just more widely done. Um, And I know for a lot of people that there is a stigma around getting help, right? And it definitely comes with that whole like misindependent, like I can do it all myself, et cetera, where it's like, oh, I'm failing if I ask for help. Like I'm not being as good of a mother as I could be, which is obviously just such bullshit because it literally takes a village to raise a child. Um, And that's been a thing forever. So can you share with us and you can definitely use some examples of like the previous clients that you've worked with and whatnot. What value does a nanny au pair, whatever kind of, I know your situations kind of change in terms of the intensity of what, when you're working with them, what does that provide to the mother and the family that she would not have if you weren't working with them? 
So one, it's the trust in my sort of education and expertise that I know if the baby is having shallow breathing or, um, you know, gets a rash or is inconsolably crying that I'm going to know what to do and I'm going to stay calm and professional. Mm -hmm. I'm going to be an anchor for everyone in that moment instead of you kind of like Googling at 3am and trying to like get a doctor's appointment. There's that. I'm also a friend to these moms, to these women. I have incredible relationships mm. with them. And often long after the baby doesn't need me anymore or is sleeping through, these families want to keep me around just because of the relationship we have. And there are so many beautiful conversations that I've had with women sitting on the floor in their bedroom while they breastfeed at 3 a.m. and their husband snores next to them. And it's mm. just this like really special time where you can get to know someone at their most vulnerable moments and most exposing moments. So they really trust me in their homes and with their children and it's just it's really special um I think for us especially I mean we're both you know in the UK and US like where are our families you know when you have a baby it's so nice to have your sisters Mm. and your mom and we're not going to get that so how can we create the family and support system ourselves I think it's such a sort of natural desire to be want to be surrounded by the people who love you most and love you unconditionally when you're going to be your most vulnerable and you're going to have cracked nipples and you're going to be bleeding and um, Mm. sort of leaking everywhere. And you want people around you who you trust and feel comfortable with. And if not your family, then, you know, choose wisely. I love that. Honestly, I could have like cried with you saying that. I just, I just think about, I had full goosebumps and I just think about like how many women these days do this alone. And I always come back to like, we are one of the first generations of women, right, that really are doing this alone. Like it's never been a thing, never in the history yeah. have women been alone. Like for anyone that doesn't know, we wouldn't even breastfeed our child just ourselves. Like the yes. child would be breastfed by other mothers in the community as well. Like so it wasn't all on our body. And I just, as you were saying that, I just felt such big warm and fuzzies because I was like, how special is that, that the woman has somebody that she can unconditionally rely on and be there for her no matter what. And it's not out of obligation or guilt yeah. or shoulds. Like she, like you are being paid to do that. There is so much trust. There is so much love. There is so much support. And how beautiful that that, that need isn't being shoved on just the relationship or just your mom or your mother-in-law. Like you actually have a professional that is like, I want you to put the load on me. So like give me the load. And I just think... Like literally could have fucking cried during that. I just yeah. like, I know so like so many women, they just, they bottle it all up yeah. or they, or it affects their relationship because they, they want that level of support from their partner. And I'm sorry, but like, I don't think that a man can give that level of intimacy and support and vulnerability that a woman can Agreed. because he sees you differently. You know, like she sees you at like the woman that's there in front of you, helping you it's woman to woman. Like it's a completely different experience than your husband seeing you like that or like, or a man seeing you like that. And I just, I really hope this episode just brought us all to tears and really opened our mind up because I know it did for me, Millie. This has been incredible. Thank you so much. You're so welcome. It's, it's such a weird sort of time that we're in, in regards to motherhood, because we are working and we're allowed to work as women and we want to work yet our mom and our sister don't live on the same street anymore. It's like, it's not just like, okay, go over to grandma's or go play with your cousins next door. It's like we live, you know, on the other side of the world and just in the last kind of 50, 60 years and people started migrating, but still having families. And it's just, it's hard. Yeah. I'd love, I've loved this chat. It's it's really good to talk to you. Yeah. Good. I, I think about that often, like now living in Atlanta and not in New York, I often think like, you know, my mom really wants, she's like, as soon as you're fucking pregnant, I don't care yeah. what dad says, I'm moving over there. Yeah. Um, but I often just think like, I, you know, my fiance's mom is really excited for us to all have kids and he's got a sister and like, they'll have a baby soon and whatnot. And I just, I, I, I have this intense gratitude now because I live so far away from my family and I've spent so many years being away from them of just what it means to have a you know, somebody up the road that you can call and know that no matter what, they're going to be over there at 3am in the morning, no questions asked, help helping you. And I Mm -hmm. think that just to maybe as like a thinking point for women listening to this, even if you can't maybe afford an au pair or a nanny or help right now, it's ensuring that you are prioritizing those relationships with the women in your life that you know you can call at 3am 
and also remembering that I think it's a gift when I have friends call me at 3am with a problem or that text me being like, I really need to chat. Like to me, it is a gift of they trust me that much. And I think that we have to remember that as women, that when you phone another woman at 3am being like, I need you to come over and like help me with blah, 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 or whatever it is, is any nice woman on the other end of the phone is actually going to feel such warm and fuzzies that you had the 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 trust that she was the right person for the job you know rather than oh you're being a burden to her it's like no this is what friends are for and there's this element of like primitiveness that comes out in women when women are helping each other in those vulnerable states because it's familiar to our bodies right like that's what we would do is we would help each other in these vulnerable moments it's reassuring too to know that if you um offer to help someone or you know they need you that it, when your time comes for your time of need that you have people who you know you love and trust who can kind yeah. of have that exchange people want to help people it I think that it's just as valuable as receiving the help as it is giving the help I think it's so wholesome for us to come back to the thought of like yes it's amazing like traveling and living in different places in the world and I think it's such a modern mindset that we yeah. all have and I've even just living in Atlanta really had to anchor into like yeah I do want to move back to New York and probably where I ended up growing up, which was like 30 minutes out of the city. Um, but I also have such a, I have this more just, I don't know, like it's a different mindset when it comes to, I think about motherhood so differently now in really embracing my femininity and not just being this like independent, I can do whatever I want, but I also anchor into like, but how important is it going to be to have my other family, like my fiance's family three minutes drive away to help me. I won't get that. If I'm, if I'm, you know, oh, but I want to move back to New York city. It's just like, it's a different mindset. It's almost coming back to, I guess, some of those more traditional mindsets, but realizing the privilege that was in them that we've kind of shamed out of ourselves, but really it was a privilege to have our sister or our mom up the road. Like you said. Yeah. Agreed. Yeah. You know, Okay. Are there any last final finishing things that you want to share with us that you feel like we haven't touched on or any things that you want to like round up with that were really important? Um, I'd say one thing to anyone who's in that postpartum period now, whether it's your first baby or your fifth baby. And just to say, if you are feeling overwhelmed to just remember that you are the perfect parent for your baby, there's no one that knows them better or could do it any better than you. You really are just like, everyone's just doing their best. There's no mother who like half asses it or only gives 90% like you're all doing amazing and it's incredible it really is I love that Millie can you tell everybody your Instagram and Mm -hmm. any like share a little bit about like any of the master classes that could be really helpful for my audience you know me kind of well enough to know my audience anything Mm -hmm. any of of your offerings um, that would be of use to them and we can link them below so my account on Instagram is Millie Poppins. It's Millie with an IE. So Millie full stop Poppins. You find me there. I am on my stories all the time. I'm always sharing. My DMs are open to anyone who needs it. I would never want anyone to feel as if they were struggling or in, you know, a dark place in their motherhood journey and there wasn't any help. I will always help if I can and point you in the right direction. Um, there's instant download masterclasses on my website that cover each of the age stages from four to six months, six to nine, nine to 12, 12 to 18. But I also do other masterclasses um, around weaning and introducing a bottle and actually my bestseller, not that I am anti-breastfeeding, but it's called Gently Transitioning from Breastfeeding to Sleep. And that's for the mothers who feel like their baby is constantly latched to them 24 hours a day. And they want a bit more consistency with sort of setting up regular feeds and knowing when they're going to have a break, whether that's for emails or a shower or spending time with your toddler. they're the sort of like main ones that I'm offering at the moment. Um, and then at the end of the year, I'll go back to sort of my one-on-one virtual support. But at the moment I'm with my client, which is nice for the Amazing. summer. Yeah. Beautiful. So helpful. Thank you, Millie, so much for all of the wisdom that you shared with us. I really appreciate it. This episode has just been like, I know I was like, oh, like 40 minutes, like 56 yeah, minutes later. Like it was just so, it was so, it was so good. It just drew me in. And most importantly, my, like my heart is just so full for the beautiful journey that motherhood gets to be. It doesn't need it's to be exciting. this like lonely, yeah. dark place. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's so exciting. All right. Always nice Thank to talk you, to you. Thank you everybody for Thanks, listening. Monica. And it was so nice to talk to you, Millie. Yeah. Guys, I just am like so warm and fuzzy from that episode. I am speechless. 
I just, it was incredible. It really was. Please make sure that you tag Millie and that you tag me in the episode when you share it. Send it to your girlfriends. Every woman needs to listen to this. I honestly don't really have anything else to say. Nothing does it justice. It was truly truly amazing and i felt so grateful to have millie on the on the podcast and sharing her her time with us and her wisdom with us if you missed everything that i said at the very beginning about queen alchemy then maybe go back and listen i don't want you guys to miss out everything's kind of being a little bit uh, everything's kind of changing a little bit next year in terms of the usual business timelines for those of you that have followed me for a while you know that like generally year after year our timelines are kind of similar with queen alchemy and with programs but I'm getting married in September next year and I'm very excited. I'm taking a month off before and a month off after. So what that means is that it kind of has thrown my calendar around in um, a different way. So it's really important that you make sure that if you want to join any programs next year, please just email my team. They're going to tell you the dates because we've already planned out the whole editorial calendar for next year. So we know when everything is happening so we can tell you those dates. Okay. It will also mean for one-on-one clients that we will start earlier than usual next year, which is amazing. And for any one-on-one clients that join me later on in the year, you'll actually you can have the option of getting a break in your one-on-one contract with me, which is kind of awesome because then you can integrate everything for a few months and then come back and we can keep working on things. So there's definitely the pro to that in a way you kind of almost get a longer period of time with me. So you obviously can't like, I'm not going to be replying to messages or anything during that time when I'm off, but it means you can like integrate everything, go out and live it and then come back with like, okay, here are more issues. Let's fucking fix it. Um, So lots of things happening. As usual, if you have any questions, if you're curious, just send me a DM and I will respond. All right. I will see you guys on the next episode.